0: Are you gonna use that voice the whole time? Sure.
1: <laughs> I'll i like I'll like subtly work on my voice demo be like that thing that I've never really gotten around to be like I do all the voices,
0: I'll just put it all on here. <laughs> this is Van Collar. We're at the West Coast! <laughs> My name is Moamir, and today on This Is Van Color, I am joined by a performer, a writer, and a producer of fun times. She's described as a talented and charming mover and shaker, and a Vancouver culture maven. Trained as an actor at Studio Fifty Eight, she has a master's degree in creative and life writing from Goldsmiths University of London. But you may know her best as the host and producer of one of my favorite live shows in this city, Teen Angst Night, where brave adults share their embarrassing teenage poetry, journals, songs, letters, and much, much more. It's a show that landed her spots to perform in the UK for the Latitude Festival and, of course, the US at Bumbershoot. She even compiled and edited an anthology of embarrassing teenage writing called Teen Angst, a celebration of really bad poetry. She's also the creator and producer of Say What? Readings of deliciously rotten writing. She's got expressions for days that you've definitely <laughs> seen in commercials or on a TV show. Or maybe you caught her name in the credits as a story producer. She is Sarah Bino. Sarah! Sarah! How are you? I'm
1: good. Wow, you really did my full bio. I don't think I've done anything else but all of that. No,
0: I, I cut a lot. <laughs> there was so much I had to wade
1: through. Oh, that was a website. Yeah, I just, put, just, it just kept adding to it over the years. I did this other <laughs> thing. I don't think I've updated it in like five years. So sorry for overwhelming you with information. It's a about lot. My life it's impressive. Yeah,
0: I know. I'm stoked to have you here.
1: Uh, Thanks. I'm very <laughs> thrilled to be here. I'm nervous, excited.
0: I have to admit, I'm not hip with the labels. Mm. But your shows, Teen Angst Night and Say Wah, mm-hmm. it's not Say What, Say yeah, Wah. Say
1: Wah with it. <laughs> uh, and Tarabang. <laughs> right. Question, exclamation point.
0: Is that what you call that? That's what it's called. Oh.
1: Yeah. We're learning already. I'm learning so
0: much. Your shows, Say Wah, Teen Angst Night. Mm-hmm. They're described as alternative comedy shows. What does that mean? Oh, yeah.
1: Um, By others, perhaps. Oh, (laughs) how
0: do you Um, describe them then?
1: Sometimes the easiest way that I will describe it, uh, I call it verbatim comedy. (laughs) Okay. Which maybe comes from my theater background. There's a big wave of verbatim theater where you take actual text and you turn it into theater. You take like a trial from, you know, a court and you make it into a play. Mm. Um, I take... Actual things people wrote, and I turn it into comedy. Right. So teen angst is where people get up on stage and read horrible things they wrote when they were teenagers. Yeah. And say, what is funny people making fun of bad books?
0: Right. So they're all sort
1: of like text-based. It kind of blends, I guess, maybe all my interests. Yeah. Like reading, writing, performing, making fun of everything.
0: Do you not like that label, alternative comedy show?
1: No, well, I think the thing—if I like cringed at it a little—it's because for so many years, no one—they were like, "What is this thing you do? I don't get it." So, uh, like, I remember, they sound so
0: nice when they're yeah. asking you about your life's work, right?
1: <laughs> um, so many people like people I went to theater school with like still have never come to my show they're like oh or someone did and they said oh it's actually really good (laughs) there's a word you need to take out of that sentence I didn't do this for 19 years because it sucked and I was waiting for it to get better um (laughs) Yeah, so, uh, what am I trying to say? Um, the label. The label. Yeah, I mean, like, now there's more of, like, an alternative comedy idea. People understand what it is, but I think mm-hmm. when I started doing it, I remember, like, trying to put in the listings, and it would always get stuck under literary. Right. And then, like, real poets would be like, what is this nonsense? <laughs> uh, and I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm trying to, like, make it a comedy show, but people don't get, like, the intention is for people to enjoy themselves and laugh.
0: Yeah, because um, it's not... Stand up, it's not improv. Yeah,
1: I think finally over the years, like people have accepted the blurred lines Mm -hmm. (sighs) to quote Robin Thicke, um, horribly. Uh, just quote him the rest of the the uh, recording. Oh, god, (laughs) like I'm sorry to bring up that like demon from the past. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, so over the years, I think people have started to understand that comedy can kind of be whatever makes you laugh. Yeah, yeah, like 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 the, the way theater has kind of been you know, deconstructed over the years. Like, what is a play? What is, you know, this? So all art forms are getting much more interdisciplinary, I suppose.
0: Totally. I hope. And I find that in this city and probably in a lot of other cities, these sorts of scenes and these shows thrive when you have venues like the Fox Cabaret, the Rio Theater, and Mm -hmm. of course, Little Mountain Gallery, which is one of the few not-for-profit arts and cultural spaces in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. And apparently it's going to be demolished soon. So Uh, I read. Yeah. And then I also read that 400,000 square feet of these arts and culture spaces have just vanished in the last 10 years, which Mm -hmm. is like 50% of the dedicated space, Mm -hmm. which sucks because Vancouver has obviously grown in the last 10 years. Yep. You're a performer. You're on the ground. You are a maven with all these other performers in different disciplines. If you say so. What's uh, how does what's the effect of this shrinking space it's on really, the city?
1: It's really stressful. I think people are wanting to. There's definitely been a creative brain drain over the years. I've seen people go to you know Toronto or
0: um,
1: you know uh, I mean like. Chris Benson from Hot Art Wet City, you know, he had that little, I don't know if you were around for that, but he had a great little like art space where a lot of comedians were trying out a lot of like alt comedy shows. Mm-hmm. Um, Like. Alicia Tobin had a yes, show there. Yeah, right? Yeah. Come Draw With Me was there. And, you know, and he's in Nanaimo now. And, you know, part of it was like the loss of his art space because right. his rent, I think, like tripled or whatever. And now it's going to be demolished that building and turn into more condos.
0: Right, of course. So, <laughs> and I think the building is
1: called like Art Space, and you're just like, "Oh, screw you, developers!" You're like, "Yeah, we know there was an art space there, and it was lovely, and so many people like, so many people's uh, creativity was fostered there. It was such a community hub. So, same thing with Little Mountain. Like, I remember Little Mountain when it was the Butcher Shop Gallery when I first moved here in two thousand one, two thousand two, mm-hmm. and it was like a art gallery space where people were also living there, as far as I recall. Uh, so, it's been a hub for. Like 20 years almost, mm-hmm. that specific thing. And because of that, like they've changed the neighborhood, you know, in the gentrification kind of way. And they brought more artists into it and more coffee shops. And, you know, sure. all the property value went up. And so it's always developers benefit from having artists in their spaces. <laughs> and then they kick them out. And then we go find other spaces that are poor. But we're running out of affordable spaces. So we're running, we're going to start running out of creative people in this city.
0: Yeah. What would you say to someone, not me, okay. but someone who goes <laughs> someone who goes, well, you know what? If your art's any good, you're gonna sell it and there's a <laughs> lot of rich people here, so you can sell it to those rich people.
1: Oh, so what would I say to Chip Wilson? Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: That's who I uh, that was a I, terrible <laughs> <laughs> impression of Chip yeah, Wilson. I would but... say you're
1: too fat for those pants. <laughs> Get out. Um I mean, <sighs> It's such an arrogant thing to say because there have been, mm-hmm. you know, like for 15 years, was it, oh, that Florida guy wrote that book on like creative spaces and basically like the blueprint for gentrification. Like we know that this happens. Artists find a neighborhood. They come in, they revitalize it. I mean, they take it over from like poor people and then poor people can't afford that neighborhood anymore. Right. And then artists come in and then they get kicked out by developers who turn into fancy condos and fancy restaurants and coffee shops. So like this is the cycle that happens time and time again. Yeah. So- to say if your art is any good, people would pay more for it. It's also like kind of against the whole point of having these creative spaces where people are experimenting. You want to keep um, the cost low. So, yeah, just I would just say F you. I don't know. Like, <laughs> you, you don't get it, man. You're not an artist. You're just, you're all about the corporate machine and you're breaking the creative soul of this city.
0: Well, let's touch on that. What does that mean for the city ultimately if – artists have to leave or there's just not as many artists being able to experiment and try new things and become interdisciplinary and mm-hmm. you know add to the the landscape. If everyone looks the same, what yeah, this
1: city's gonna suck. <laughs> um yeah, right? I mean I don't know. I'm not a developer. I'm not in that world. I'm you know, I'm I'm hanging out with the weirdos and it just breaks our heart that there's like the being able to pass on um you know like knowledge and practice to younger generations and like arts will always sort of find a way but if it Mm -hmm. ends up just being i don't know there's a lot of things that we're losing right now in this city you know um about arts coverage like people aren't able to maybe like connect with some of the cool things that are happening because there's Mm -hmm. sort of no centralized way like everyone's dropping off of facebook because it's evil and you're like where where do (laughs) i find out about cool things that are happening um yeah i don't know there's just a lot of nonsense going on and i don't know how to make it better like i wasn't in the fox until like four years ago and because i was at the cottage bistro where Mm. uh shout out to eugene the owner there you know would just let like anyone kind of do a show for free you know Mm. it's like a blues bar it's a like a weird vibe um but it's he's like one of these people who's been fostering like artists for years and like no one respects or really shouts out to that but like yeah people you know obviously want people in their like Restaurants or their spaces in order to buy things so that they can pay their rent. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes there is a reciprocal relationship of having arts in your space. Um, But when you have like a dedicated arts only space like Little Mountain, which just does shows like there's nothing happening during the day there besides maybe like some workshops that comedians are putting on. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you're relying on like a small uh, time to make money. I don't know where I'm going with this argument anymore, but, uh, not enjoying it. I know. I'm know like, it needs a <laughs> conclusion though. Um, yeah, it's just like, it's like that value of commerce over art. And I don't know, I was reading an article on CBC this morning that talked about some theaters, like, um, the factory theater and theater pass Mirai, and they're starting to maybe lose their spaces. And there's some ways that like the city can help out cultural spaces mm-hmm. by like not charging them like Property taxes and like having city owned buildings, but then those city owned buildings are, you know, not maintained well and then they end up being inaccessible to people or they're like just rotting. Like in Vancouver, everything just turns to like mold if you leave it for like a month. Yeah. Um,
0: I imagine that there will probably be some sort of density trade offs as well. So, okay, if you're going to develop this big building and you're going to have some retail hmm. and you're going to have some condos, mostly condos. You have to have some sort of community space, which could be, you know, an arts or cultural space. Yeah. I don't know how that would work, but it seems very doable, especially when the city forces, you know, West Bank to mm-hmm. make a public art installation and they give us a dumb chandelier underneath the Gravel Street Bridge. Uh,
1: yeah, I know. That's very contentious because i like, I know people that worked on that on both sides um of that project like the I know the people that did the installation of that project so they made lots of money out of it and they're local artists and then you know there's the whole developer thing but then it's like should this money go to social housing should it go to art that you know yeah, an art space where people can, you know, have access and do more art things than just one chandelier that spins, what, like once a day? <laughs> like, you yeah, got one show under a bridge. Enjoy it, everyone. But even
0: the installation itself, mm-hmm. I think there's a controversy of, like, is the installation a middle finger to Vancouver or yeah. is it a great social commentary?
1: Uh, yeah, right. We'd have to ask the artist or artists, you know, in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's certainly the optics of it that are interesting. That guy sold his art to
0: millionaires?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I think he's been doing it for a while now. Uh, Yeah, I don't know, right? Because we're also dealing with like a huge housing crisis. So that's Mm -hmm. also pushing out artists, you know, and like, do we go to City Hall and have this debate? Like, should the money go to art spaces or people being able to afford rent? Like... Yeah. To, to having like first responders actually live in the city where they're expected to be first responders of, you know, because mm-hmm. if the city ever has like a major emergency and people are like commuting in from Abbotsford, like they're not going to be able to help people in Vancouver.
0: Right. If
1: They're having to live so far away. So, no, of
0: course, it's it is complicated. I, I wonder if everything's garbage, basically. <laughs> everything's terrible. <laughs> Let's touch on this thing that you just talked about, which is the coverage of local Mm. arts in the media. There was a great photo that you made me aware of. It's from 2014. It's the front page of the West Ender with you and Dino Archie (laughs) and Ivan Decker. I was just showing it it around. Be like, look
1: at this thing that happened once. (laughs) People used to care. (laughs) What I did.
0: (laughs) You showed it in one of your shows, and then I asked if I could see it afterwards. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, I did do that. (laughs) But I posted that thing on Twitter as sort of a bat signal to get you and Paul on the show, because Dino and Ivan have already done it. Yeah. And Vancouver journalist Jen St. Dennis commented how she missed the West Ender, Mm -hmm. and then you also commented how you miss the coverage, the arts coverage. I miss
1: all the coverage they gave me. They were very kind to me.
0: <laughs> oh, just your coverage, not I the mean, arts. Obviously in general. I'm gonna think
1: about myself first, but yeah, like they did have some great I mean if they were able to like put me in there for my weirdo events <laughs> and never being able to afford like ad buys with them, um, I much appreciated that.
0: Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when it comes to media coverage mm-hmm. How well does the city's media and let's say new media as well, because you do have, you know, like the Daily Hives and the Vancouver's Awesomes and the online Georgia Strait. How well are they covering local arts?
1: I don't see them on my social media feeds very often um, for Mm. the type of shows that the people at like Little Mountain are doing or the Fox or like the Rio, um, like all the weirdo performers. I don't see them. I don't see my friends sharing coverage from any media, which is mostly mm. how those medias probably get into my feed. Um So, I mean, I can't, without that bias, know if they are covering it. But mm-hmm. I know from like, I've worked as a, like a publicist for like independent arts every now and then, and it's so hard to get coverage. And it's like, yeah. unless you are the arts club, like Bard on the beach, like you're not even guaranteed a review in theater anymore. Right. So um yeah so yeah right (laughs) oh my god there's so many podcasts in the city that no one is paying attention to whatever everyone knows you were what like some one of the top in canada you were sharing that the other day you're doing fine you're doing a great job i gotta let people
0: know what's up no i'm not i'm not complaining but i am curious in terms of just the local scene like do you feel that coverage is also shrinking just like the all of spaces shrinking.
1: are? I mean, all of local coverage is shrinking. Yeah. Whether it's stuff that's happening at City Hall, um, the protests that are going on in the city. Sure. Um, there's so there's much. There's just stuff. less journalists. There's just down yeah, the absolutely. Too, right? It's all fractured. There's like no money. People are not buying you know, advertising, because it's all going on to Facebook or Instagram. And like, Lord knows if that's even like seen. Yeah. Remember, I tried to buy an ad on Instagram like a couple years ago. And they sent back like, we are charging you zero dollars because it had zero impressions and no one clicked on it. I'm like, <laughs> I wanted to pay you money. I was just not working. Like, no one is going to be it political? interested. No, it was just like for a show. Say what? Or teenx I tried to like, let's see how this works. Interesting. And it just showed it to nothing. Maybe I did something wrong. I don't know. But I was like, this doesn't even work. Like, what is the point? Yeah, Everyone's just like, no, you have to expand your circle. You need to like everyone back, follow everyone, and then your circle will grow. Like, like I don't want to be my own brand. I want people who are good <laughs> curators in the arts, like uh, like Scout Magazine. I mean, I'm also biased because they have gave my shows a lot of shout outs, you mm-hmm. know. But they, like, do an interesting, you know, curation. Um, same with the Georgia Strait when they do, like, their 40 things to do in Vancouver. And it's everything from, like, culinary events, cultural events, mm-hmm. like, weird arts and comedy events.
0: I do find that there are some of those online sources, especially for like the things to do this weekend mm-hmm. that do will have the listings. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, so much of it has to be word of mouth and like mm-hmm. telling people, bringing your friends, which I do to your show, by oh, the way, the twice, you. the two times I've been I've only learned about it recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know,
1: despite it going on for 19 (laughs) years. I'm not cool. Right? Your
0: outing me is not cool. I
1: don't know. I used to be in the papers. People used to care, but that's that's just like case in point.
0: Well, I hope as... Teen Angst Night approaches its 20th oh year. God.
1: What am I doing with my life?
0: I hope you get tons of <laughs> coverage in the media. No one cared
1: when I sent out the press release that my teenager show is no longer like, 19, a teenager. No
0: one gives a shit. 20. But thought, 20. Like, it's, it,
1: 19 <laughs> is much more significant about a show that's about teen angst. I'm like, this is the last year that the show will be a teenager. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? Right. You get it? I get it
0: now. Is that how you spun it? Yeah. They didn't take. They yeah, didn't I take basically on that? write
1: the press, like I write the article for them in my press press release. I'm like, this is the whole that's journey it's been it. on. Yeah. I know. Uh, I mean, I'm a writer, right? So that's that's also how you get good media coverage. You make it easy for them.
0: Is your show Teen X Night? Is that the longest running variety comedy show in Vancouver?
1: I don't know if it's a variety show, because it's people doing one single thing, but they read different art forms with it. That's what I meant, yeah. Um, So it's not like a talent time. Like, that's like a true variety show. Mm -hmm. Um, But maybe? I don't know. I don't know anyone else that's been doing... I mean, well, actually, the Laugh Gallery that Graham Clark runs, Mm -hmm. I don't know when that started. I think... I believe it was Dylan Reimer that started and may have started around 2000 as well. So I started in Calgary okay, uh, in 2000. So the the first event was sort of to launch the website, which was ha- which happened in like the fall of 2000. Mm-hmm. And then I moved here in late 2001 to go to theater school. So those years was kind of like rocky. And like I did like a weird coffee shop called the Starry Dynamo Cafe it was like my first Teen night here. And there's like nice. maybe 15, 20 people there. So
0: that's pretty good for a first show.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, theater school. We're all friends and friends of friends. <laughs> Actors come in. My troops. point.
0: My point is, regardless of the details, just lie. Just say you were the long. You are the oh, longest okay, running right, show right, right, I'm Vancouver. too. too i like, I Need to fact who's check gonna, this. Who's gonna sue you? Yeah, who's you're right. Journalism sue?
1: is dead. No one's gonna <laughs> fact check anything.
0: We'll get it's into me.
1: The... It's all me.
0: <laughs> and everyone who's ever done my show, because it would not happen without these brave people. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And we will get into the show's history, but if. Someone in this city has not heard of the show. Who could that possibly be? So many. So can many. you give them <laughs> a sampling of what your show is like? What someone can expect at Teen Anx Night?
1: Uh, sure. Well, I'll give you the quick rundown of the rules first, which I think really sets up the show. Sure. Um, so, uh, God, if I can do this off the top of my head, I should after 19 years. Um, the rules are um, the work you share at Teen X Night, it has to be your own writing. Uh, you have to have written it between the ages of 10 to 19. I say anything younger than 10, it's just like, well, it's real cute. Anything older, you should have known better. Oh,
0: see, but you sneak in some preteens there.
1: Yeah, well, um, I mean, I had my period at 11. So, like, I was going through, like, hormonal shit sure, when I was fair. 10. So the angst was T- there. TMI there, but sure, yeah. Is it? Like, I'm so sorry, everyone. I am a adult woman, and these things happen. Goodness, you're such a little prude. So, like, and I bled for days. Um, okay, so... Right, I've been experience- I've been a feminist since then because of sexual <laughs> harassment. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. So uh, okay, <laughs> the other rule. This is the most important rule. Third, third one is that the work you share, you cannot be proud of. Mm. So that's sort of where. And then it's called Teen Angst Night. So like there should be some sort of like sex, drugs, rock and roll. At least like I hate you, mom. Stay out of my room. Um, mm-hmm. The website it was dedicated into like or. Divided into different categories like I'm alone, I will never love again, life sucks, and I want to die. So, like these are the general <laughs> themes of it. Um, so you want a sampling? Please. So I'm gonna read the. If po- you would do me the honor. Yeah. Oh gosh. Of course. I love it. Um, I'm gonna read a poem that I wrote. I think when I was mm, twelve, because it's before I had my first boyfriend. Um, and. I was like one of those kids who wanted to paint their bedrooms black when I was like 12. Um, oh. Yeah. My parents divorced when I was... Mm, 10. So maybe this all makes sense. Um, And I'm just like, I have the soul of an artist, but I had no life experience. Mm. So I would, that's why there's a lot of obvious rhymes. And I like to do this poem at the start of the show to encourage some audience participation, just to like get everyone warmed up. So play along at home. Shout out the obvious rhyme.
0: Sure. Do you want me to shout out the obvious rhyme as well? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I will try. So this
1: is called He. (laughs) It's about what I wanted my ideal boyfriend to be like. And then rhyming takes over. So it goes, he can stand out in the crowd. He's above me. Yeah. So Sorry. I jumped a line. He can stand out in the crowd. He really makes me proud. Proud. Yeah. But he's above me on a cloud. cloud. Yeah. I gave that away. He told me what he vowed. Yeah. <laughs> Advanced words. He told a lie when he was
0: Hi? high. Yeah.
1: <laughs> he watched the angels pass him. Bye. Bye. Looked at them with a sigh. sigh. Yeah. For they moved and he stayed tied to die and die and <laughs> die. I know. He took my heart apart. That's where mm. I get like a little beat Yeah. I'm in pain. That's his
0: game. Game. Yeah.
1: <laughs> what a shame. Shame. Yeah. Tied to die and die and die. And then there's a times two because I wanted to be like a rocker. So it's going to be a song maybe in my mind. So tied to die and die and die and die. I found him dead in my bed, Bed, yes. Once someone shouted out shed and I was like, (laughs) that is so much better. Uh, But I wasn't gothy enough, I think, to come up with shed when I was 12. Um, Put a bullet in his Head. head. Yeah, With a note that red? Yeah, it should be red, but I'm 12 so I wrote said. Oh, okay. Yeah, the yeah. note said, "Now it's time to die and die and die and die and die and die, die and die <laughs> and die and die and everyone die."
0: So Sarah just showed me the paper and it's a lot of dies One, written two, out. Three, four,
1: five, six, seven, eight, 9 dies.
0: Wow. Yep. Thank you that's young, for sharing That's that. young who's, love. Who's dying in this? Like, I know he is dead. He's dead. I don't know. Um,
1: yeah, the logic of it doesn't really follow through. Um, so it's maybe it's about a guy that uh, I just idolized, and then he was dead, and then I idolized. I don't know.
0: I'm and not, you were tied to die? No, he and was died. tied. He. Oh, I he don't was. know. <laughs> I don't
1: know. No, he was tied. I love it. I found him dead in my bed. I think he put a bullet. Like it's just it just says put a bullet. It doesn't say who put a bullet. We're doing some
0: like deep reading of this poem now. Yeah. Um, is this an allegory for uh, <laughs> Kurt Cobain? What's happening here?
1: Maybe, but it was a little pre-Kurt Cobain, so that was ninety two. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, maybe you yeah. a premonition. May, oh maybe. <laughs> Methinks I see thee now in a bottom of a crypt or whatever that uh, Juliet line is.
0: So. So you have people that read their poetry, mm-hmm. journals, mm-hmm. diaries. Yep. They sing songs. I've yep. seen that before. That's my
1: favorite. I love it when people have songs.
0: What am I missing here?
1: Short stories, fan fiction. Oh,
0: fan fiction. Yeah. Um, hmm.
1: I mean, now, you know, as... A,
0: letters. People write letters. Yeah. Or read letters. Yeah, unset
1: letters or like fan letters. Yeah. I have a letter I wrote to Teen Magazine. Like spouting my feminist ideals to them when I was, like, 13. Um, Oh, you were
0: telling them what's up?
1: Yeah, I was like, listen, (laughs) we care more about what shade of lipstick is in. Get it together. And then Teen Vogue happened years later, so, like, really? I'm just full of premonitions. (laughs) Just be like my teenage self, world. Yeah. I'm just waiting for everyone to catch up.
0: Is it always that cringy, funny, or are there serious things as well? Um serious readings, serious performances?
1: I mean, every now and then, uh, right, with the rules of it having to be, like, embarrassing, it does take out some of, like, the earnest readings. But, like, whatever someone thinks is embarrassed, uh, embarrassing to themselves may be different mm. to what's embarrassing to me. Um, so it rarely gets into that, like, really earnest world. Like, sometimes there are people who read things and people are like, that's actually pretty good. Yeah, um, But... It's more fun when it's – when it. if you, like, are looking for something to read yourself and, like, you want to burn it or you're cringing, that's the good stuff everyone <laughs> wants to hear. If you're like, this is okay, you're like, it's just going to be an okay Teen reading. But the more you uh, dislike it, the more we love it.
0: And that's why I know that I have an archive of creative writing from high school – but I couldn't pick it for that reason because I oh it's too cringe.
1: You wouldn't want to read it because it's too cringy. Yeah, that's the whole point of the show. I know that's what I'm
0: saying though. That's why I. Uh,
1: but I don't have, have you the not guts. like because you've been to you said two shows now like yes. have you not been inspired like people have read some like embarrassing stuff and you're like oh my
0: stuff's worse than that. I'm inspired by them, but not to emulate them. Okay. do <laughs> I don't get it. It's, a, it's I don't know. It's a lot of <laughs> bravery. It's really cool though. It is really brave. Yeah. Walk me through the whole story of this thing being put together. Like, it's such a beautiful and simple concept. I think a lot of people have these artifacts from when they were kids or teenagers. Mm-hmm. How did you start this?
1: Oh, it's a weird story. Um, so, I was in a uh, theater school in Calgary. Mm. Um, like 18, 19 years old. And I was on the phone with a friend back in, you know, the late nineties as we used to have epic phone conversations. Yeah. Uh, and... Did you have your own line? Uh, no, <laughs> but I basically took up. we had, we had to get call waiting cause I was on it too much. Okay. Um, no one ever called for my parents. It's fine. Or my brother It was all about <laughs> me. Um, so we were just talking and I came across this binder that my high school boyfriend gave me that was full of his poetry that he'd written to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Uh, We dated for all through high school. uh, And he was like in seven different bands. So I had a lot, a lot of material in there. And I was like, let me pull this out and make fun of it because I was being really mean. And there was one poem that was something like... Together we've walked down a path made for two, but with my peripheral vision, I have seen your eyes divert to the path made for one.
0: Wow. it was, like,
1: such an obvious metaphor for, like, yeah, that's exactly what's going to (laughs) happen. And we just made fun of it, and then she laughed, and then I felt bad, and I was like, wait, wait, wait. Like, I have poetry that I wrote when I was a teenager, and, like, I'd always kept them. Like, all the stuff that I wrote when I was a teenager, like journals... I knew I was gonna keep it for a reason and I didn't know what it was, but I knew I had to like archive it and like everything was dated. Of course. And just sort of like had this like obsessive compulsive impulse. And uh so I read my stuff and uh realized it was much worse. <laughs> and she read some <laughs> of her stuff and we laughed and then just sort of evolved over time. My you know, it was uh, right, Like late 90s, early 2000. And uh, my brother was getting into web design. And I was mm. like, what if we made a website that would be like teenangstpoetry.com where the world could like send me all their bad poetry because you couldn't like upload things to websites. There was no um, like blogger wasn't even a yeah, thing. You had to you make know? a site. Yeah. They had to like design everything. Like I remember one time... Asking my brother and his friend, who was doing the coding, if I could find a way to like have a search function where I could find every poem that had the word "alone" or "dark" in it. Right. Yeah. Like that. This whole idea of like tagging. Yeah. And I was like, did I create that? No, but like it was <laughs> like I Premonition, wanted. Perhaps? Right, Another me just being. I am. I'm Cassandra. Right. I'm just seeing everything in the future. And uh, did you have a search function? We actually, yeah, we did get it. Oh, yeah, cool. you can find the website on um dot and it's great because it's like my my brother made this funny little flash animation. So it's like half my face in a circle, and then there's a little tear that drips down, <laughs> drip, 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 and then like at the top, like bar where like the website like teenagerspoetry. dot com is, it, it sort of rumbles and you get new like lines of poetry. Like you make me feel creepy and bad, die and die and die. Like my heart is a black soul of death or whatever. Wow. Yeah. was really impressed by being able
0: to do that so your brother's putting together this website so the website came first before the performances
1: yeah yeah
0: so how did you jump from website to well
1: I was an actor so I had to be on stage Oh, (laughs) so um, that's just a compulsion um you know and also to like launch the website I'll like I'll do this thing and I invited friends and people had their stuff that they contributed to the website and um yeah one friend literally laughed so hard she peed herself and we're like there's something to this night and they're like let's do it again and like CBC Calgary I think picked it up pretty early on
0: okay like the yeah. television
1: network the radio station, the radio station? first okay. yeah uh, I remember like in 2003 the Globe and Mail did a big article on it they so, did yeah. yeah so I don't know it just started to like grow really quickly
0: what year did you bring it to Vancouver
1: so I moved here 2000, late 2001 or August 2001. Um, I think the first one I had was in 2002 here. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know what? We're just going to say it. Longest running <laughs> alt comedy show sure, in yeah. the city. Right, yeah, Right, why not? We're going to go with that. <laughs> now, there have been a lot of similar shows that have kind of popped up over the years. Oh, have there? Apparently, allegedly. <laughs> okay. You're the originator though, right?
1: Time would say so. Time would indicate that.
0: Yeah. hmm Yeah, that's another thing people got to know. The, the <laughs> youth, this yeah. is your idea. But
1: try being a girl from Calgary, you know, who's just like 20. Yeah. No one's going to listen to her. You're not in a media center.
0: Listen, I'm not saying you should lawyer up. I'm just saying you should advertise that as like the original...
1: You uh, heard it here first. Sure, sure. <laughs> to add one more thing to the poster. I'm like, it's awesome. it does say running since 2000.
0: Yeah. yeah. But you need to put those, like, Why? statements.
1: Why? Why do I need to fight those battles? I know that I'm the first one. I just w- Do I need everyone to know that? Or do I need them to, like, send me a link? Be like, hey, there's a show that kind of sounds like your show. And I'm like, yeah, I know.
0: I know it sounds like my show. As your friend, I just want to see you get that recognition. That's yeah. what I'm saying.
1: But I feel like as... Uh, an artist it's hard to like i've been tooting my h- horn for a long time with this show and like
0: mm-hmm.
1: to be like and it was me that did it first <laughs> it's just like it just seems so bitter it's not bitter i don't know yeah um, i mean it's nice to someone else I see, I, it's nice if someone mm. else says it but if i go around saying it, it just seems like well she's bitter nothing ever happened for her I'm like i was in develop for development for so many things yeah. that didn't fly as i was yet again this seems maybe this this is what i'm Maybe this is my story. I'm just ahead of my time.
0: You had premonitions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the theme. I was not planning this theme it's for weird. the podcast. But it's apparently... weird. what story
1: am I telling myself?
0: <laughs> oh goodness. Well, regardless, it has mm. picked up. Like there's places around North America, at least, where this is a thing, and
1: yeah, and that are, are still reading, going. So, yeah. like, there's something. I feel like. I feel like this thing, it really started to kick off around 2007, 2008. And I think it's because like Facebook started to be real big. So you could share things. Yeah. Everyone was just like, oh, oversharing. I am into this. Yeah. So um, I was, yeah, just an early adopter to the oversharing culture.
0: What is it about digging into your teenaged or childhood past? Mm -hmm. And especially these things that are quite. Intimate in terms of like what you were thinking and feeling, and then sharing it for strangers for their entertainment. What is it that makes that so awesome?
1: Um, I mean, I think like with all art, we see ourselves reflected. Mm -hmm. um, And a lot of the laughs from at the show come from people being like, oh, yeah, that was me. That was definitely me. Oh, I know someone who is like that. Yeah. because these these are really like foundational moments in our lives, and like our worlds are were such small bubbles. Like it really was our school. Like I can't imagine what it's like to be a teenager now with, you know, anyone who's like vlogging and all the social media platforms that they have mm-hmm. access to. Like a whole wide world that could be their, um, their audience. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know,
0: like that six year old is a millionaire, right? Like un- unboxing toys. Yeah, and just
1: getting like hundreds of comments and messages all day. Like that's beyond comprehension to me. So, um when we share our stuff um you know from our teen years especially you know us oldsters um we're looking back on this like micro like, small world that we thought was like the biggest world and now that we're adults yeah. we're like oh god like these problems were so minuscule yeah um but they were also like really impactful and you know they laid the foundation for who we became and some people mm-hmm. are still the same person and some people are like oh no i was an idiot <laughs> um like and those are also really fun to share and yeah. to listen to. Um, yeah. We're all like, everything's new when you're a teenager. Like I love,
0: mm-hmm. it's
1: maybe less rare that people are brave enough to read like first sort of sexual encounter stuff, but that's mm. all everyone's always like really titillated. Cause I feel like we just go back there as an audience yeah. to like when we had our first experiences. Right. And that's embarrassing and awkward. And like, you're, of course you're going to laugh at it.
0: Yeah. Yeah it it is still i think symptomatic of those teenage years that you think that whatever you're going through no one else oh, has yeah. ever been through cuz i remember giving my younger cousins advice on stuff that they were going through and they're just like how would you know you don't understand i'm like <laughs> here's how it's going to play out and i like ran through the scenarios of like it's either going to go this way or it's going to go that way mm-hmm. and then they came back like months after like how did you know <laughs> And it's like, well, because I was there and I also thought that I was super unique and this was super special, but it's not. Yeah, it's it's a
1: universal thing. Yeah. yeah. Like one of the categories um, when I started it was I'm alone and no one understands my pain. (laughs) Like no one. But you're like, my best friend felt the exact same way, like four blocks away from me. We were all just like, I'm no, I'm alone. No, I'm alone. Like we're all sad and alone. And that's what binds us together.
0: (laughs) You're also hanging out and lamenting together.
1: Yeah,
0: right. How many categories did you have, or okay. do you have?
1: Um, I had. I don't do it so much at the live show because it just mm-hmm. seems like weird. But when it was just like when the the website only focused on poetry because it just seemed like an easy thing to post and it wasn't like forever scrolling. So yeah. we have, uh, so breakups. I will never love again. More than like, which is love poems because I wrote a love poem called no. More than Like.
0: You like uh, like someone. Yeah.
1: Mm. Um. Yeah, I'm alone. No one understands my pain. <laughs> Obvious metaphors, which is like life is a mountain. Or I wrote a poem called I am a rose.
0: Mm. Um,
1: school, which was poems about like cliques and well, I call it math class. Um, life sucks and I want to die. So like the <laughs> suicidal. Uh, I shouldn't laugh at that, but. Well, I mean, we can laugh because we're still here. Like yeah. the thing that, you know, about teenagers. like I do give money to charity, um, you know, for youth based. um yeah, charities. Uh, I think it's good to pay back, and the mm. fact that like we are attending or participating in X means we survived it, and not everyone is so lucky. Yeah. Um, so we do have I, that perspective. I was just
0: laughing at that over dramatic person who exactly. was just like, "I
1: will fucking die yeah. if
0: this happens." Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's also part of like, yeah. like it's just so much melodrama and yeah. hyperbole. Uh, okay, the "fuck you, you don't understand me" poems. Oh, yeah.
0: I feel like there's a lot of overlap between these. Oh yeah, categories. they're definitely. You could be like in
1: multiple. <laughs> Categories at once: uh, political action, fight the power poems. Oh. I was really into those in high school. Pointless ramblings. Uh, I say poems that made up of words that the author thought sounded good together. So mm. he is, I think, an example of that. Sure. Just a pointless rambling. Yeah. And like, what is it about? I don't know. Odes to people that felt your pain, like Kurt Cobain.
0: Oh. <laughs> Wait, that's the t- that's the name yeah. Yeah, that was yeah, a yeah. category. Oh, that's yeah, awesome. Okay.
1: Um. And then I have, like, for fun, just, like, silly poems. And then uh, then I had another category of, like, people that contributed them, like, that they thought it felt somewhere else. It fit somewhere else. Oh. Yeah.
0: Hmm.
1: I didn't count, so I don't know. Maybe it's, like, 10 or something.
0: Looking at the collection of teenage writing that you have read, and you've obviously given this a lot of thought over the last 20 years. Maybe
1: not, but yeah. <laughs> do you
0: think people change from when they are teenagers? Does everyone change? Or are some people essentially the same are all people essentially the same
1: mm, i don't think there's a definite answer to that i have some there's definitely some people who've changed drastically from who they were mm-hmm. um especially like the men that perform or read their stuff at teen x night you know like uh this is great guy gabby who reads a gangster rap and yeah, you know, <laughs> whenever i make him do it because i love it so much like i want to hear it like once a year um he always prefaces it by being like I'm a feminist <laughs> like yeah. I have a daughter <laughs> like this is not who I am today and then it's just like motherfucker motherfucker bitches 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 <laughs> it's, yeah. like, it's hilarious because the contrast of who he is now versus like what he was as a teenager and he knows like it also was performative Um, so yeah so some people are very different Um, and, I mean like there's definitely elements of like who I was as a teenager where it was like sad and brooding and felt like no one understood me mm-hmm. um At my worst times, there's that. But I think certainly what I've learned through teen angst is that, no, everyone feels the same way, like that there is this beautiful universality of our pain. Yeah. Um, And if you can laugh at yourself, you're just going to do so much better.
0: You know what I often wonder in this realm? What? How you described those teenage worries being so minuscule. Mm -hmm. I wonder, currently being in my 30s, Mm. when I'm older, am I going to look at what I'm worrying about today, and yeah. be like, whoa, that was nothing.
1: I hope so. Right? But it's all, yeah, right.
0: But then why? But I'm stressing about it now with the knowledge that yeah. it's going to be minuscule in the future. It becomes this weird thing. Yeah, yeah. it's just stuck like stuck a in. human
1: trait that we just want to like <laughs> make things out to be bigger than they actually are. I mean, like if we were like look at it maybe from like in like a Zen Buddhist perspective. Please, like,
0: that's the perspective right? I want. That's, that's what I know so much about.
1: <laughs> um, I imagine that this is all, like, nothing and, like, we should just be in the moment and appreciate what we have. But instead, we're like, ah, I'm never going to afford property or I can, but it, I don't. how long am I going to be able to afford to pay my mortgage or blah, dating? It's the same angst as it was when I was a teenager, blah, like, who knows?
0: Is this straight from your current diary? No, what? <laughs>
1: No, I did much better as a teenager than I do as an adult. I had no problems finding boyfriends back then. Now it's a different story. Like, I just, like, I used all my cards, I think, as a teenager. And I'm like, nope, it's up. You had your chance. You dated all of them.
0: Do you still write? Mm-hmm. Do you still write poetry? I don't write poetry. Okay. No.
1: I was always one of those people that, like, felt to, like, I had to, like, feel the muse. So I think, like, the last poetry I wrote was maybe, like, in my... Maybe late twenties. I wrote a lot of like intentional like quarter life crisis poetry. I tried Mm. to work on a collection, and then I just never felt that it was good enough. I started like I you know did my master's and got really criticky of my work. Yeah. So I should look back over it and be like "Hmm, maybe. But it was like it was kind of comedic poetry.
0: Sure. Yeah. What I find fascinating is that there are performers, and I I presume you as well, that have like anthologies of diaries that they keep. Oh yeah,
1: for sure. What journaling is very good for the creative process and just for your mental
0: health as well. And so this is my next question. What type of personality is drawn to keeping these anthologies and writing these anthologies with diaries? Because a lot of people and I talked about the power of keeping a journal. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are like, oh, that's too much work or I tried it. It didn't you know, it doesn't work out. But there are people that do still as adults journal in some capacity regularly what does that say about that personality
1: um that they're the best they're the best (laughs) kind of people um I don't know I mean one like it's good to like it's keeping up a routine and a practice Mm -hmm. um that you're able to be introspective obviously you get something from it if you're continuing to do it so Mm -hmm. I don't know maybe there are people that have uh had therapy or can't afford therapy I don't know. But no, know they're, they're my crossers. people, so I'm. I can't. I can't say. I don't know if I've never like studied like who are the people that journal, but um, I know, especially like journaling by hand. I remember I had mm-hmm. a lot of teachers that were like, "Get away from the computer! Like you, you have a different voice when you write by hand." Yeah. So I don't know. They're good people. That's what I'm going to say.
0: <laughs> I wasn't asking for a moral judgment. <laughs> I think thoughtful is definitely a good way to yeah. describe that kind of trait. Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah. Self-aware mm-hmm. or wanting to, um, you know, analyze themselves. Yeah. Uh, certainly certainly not hiding from something. People that maybe like know how to process their own emotions. Maybe they have some sort of emotional mm. maturity. Mm-hmm. So don't knock at everyone who's making fun of us <laughs> journaling in our bedrooms.
0: When you journal, do you ever go back, aside from your teenage oh, journals, God, yeah. do you go back and read it?
1: Yeah. And you're like, this bullshit again? <laughs> Damn it. That's that's like the beautiful thing and the sad thing. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I really did. I did do the work on that. Good for me. And then some stuff you're like, ah, oh, it's just forever. I'm just forever going to feel this way. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know.
0: I hope there are people listening right now and, and they're thinking... I need to read. I need to perform at this thing. Yeah. You had some rules. Yeah. Anyone can sign up, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a form. Um, every time uh, I'm producing the show, I have, like, a Google sort of uh, Google form. So you've got to fill it out. Um, yeah, there's not really, like, a ho- you have to have the material. Uh, only once did someone, like, get up and do, like, a weird performance art thing. Uh, that was a long time ago. Um, that
0: they had... Allegedly done as a teenager. No,
1: it was a weird, like I think it was like a character, like that was a teenager. Like I just don't think they got the night. It was very strange. (laughs) Um, so yeah, like there's yeah, if you have the material and you agree to those rules, which will be read out at the show. Yeah. Um, because if you get up and read anything that doesn't fit those rules, it'll just make it look weird for you. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I encourage you to get in touch.
0: So you don't vet beforehand.
1: Not really. Um. Sometimes. If it seems, Uh, I think I'm a pretty good judge of character, and like I ask people to write their own sort of bio, and sometimes it seems if they're not quite getting the tone of the show, Hmm. um, I will phone them and say, like, just wanted to check in if you've ever seen the show before, what you think about it, what you're thinking about reading, Um, and I think only once has that led to someone being like, oh, yeah, I totally misunderstood what this was. But, you know, the thing so I've learned perfor- about... you have
0: performers at the show who have never seen it before?
1: Very rare. Yeah. Yeah. Rare, or, like, their friends have, like, told them about it or oh, whatever. Oh, gotcha. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, just... then, those people are very brave.
0: Yeah, yeah. apparently.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm always in awe. I'm like, oh, you've never... Oh, cool. Or, like, you know, they heard about something similar elsewhere, and they're like, I'm going to do this. Give it a try.
0: Yeah, then they found the original. Yeah. The OG. That's right. <laughs> and if that isn't enough, you have a second show. Mm-hmm. That's approaching its tenth year. Sewa, can you tell me about that yeah. briefly? Yeah,
1: it's a bit on hiatus. Uh, I haven't. I last well, I did one in the summer. It used to be regular, but running like regular shows is exhausting.
0: I imagine so. Um,
1: certainly, like when you're like me and you have like twenty jobs and you're doing all these like weird commercials all over the world, and you're like, oh, okay, I'm gonna make it all work. Um, so Sewa is um, another verbatim comedy show where funny people read from terrible books. Mm. Um, so it was inspired by, uh, when I lived in London, I went on like a weekend holiday with some friends. We stayed at a hostel in Bath and there was like, just on the couch when we sat down was a weird romance novel called Dark Avenger. And it was like a really, ugh, like a strange kind of rape fantasy. Mm. Um, it was like Nikos, uh, Nikos's brother had got his sister pregnant. So he was going to get like this other guy's sister pregnant. Like it was like, what kind of a plot? Like that was on the back of the book. And we're like, what is this nonsense? And I would just like read excerpts from it. And everyone remember one was like, Aphrodite, truly the body of a goddess. And we just like started using all these dumb lines from the book. And we're like, this is actually really entertaining to like get up and perform some, you know, awkward romance novels. And friends just started sending me, you know, genre fiction. They're like, read from this. And I did these little like YouTube videos for my friends. And then when I came back to Vancouver, um, just sort of like came into the show and people were reading from like celebrity autobiographies. Oh, okay. Uh, I really like also like terrible self-help books. Um, Like I have, like like there's one called uh, how to pick up topless dancers where he never refers to them as women. It's just like when talking to a topless dancer, my favorite line in that book is like, imagine yourself Uh, in a hot tub with a naked, topless dancer.
0: Wow. (laughs) I'm
1: like, she's naked and topless, guys. Wow. Uh, And then Fifty Shades of Grey came out, and that was just, you know, so much material in there.
0: I am realizing now that, yeah, the breadth of self-help is Uh, so large. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so people would, you know, get up and read, um, you know, just uh, little things that inspired them. Uh, and turn it into sort of like everyone sort of had a different take on it, whether people like really loved fantasy and then they like someone mm. gave them this fantasy book and like it just is ridiculous or um, I remember reading like how to av- what was it? Are there
0: rules for this? Does the work have to be published?
1: No, it just has to be a book that makes the reader say, say, what," as in this is ridiculous. The dialogue is atrocious. The plot doesn't make any sense. If yeah. you follow the advice in the book, you're just going to get punched in the face. Um, as yeah. is
0: the case with the topless dancers. Yeah,
1: right. Oh god, it's such a crazy book. <laughs> um so I did I was podcasting it um when it was like in its heyday. So oh, okay. there's maybe like 40 something episodes somewhere. Um, floating around. Floating around. Um yeah, it was it's enjoyable, I think. Yeah. It was fun, but like I stopped it for a while cuz you know, after the US election I was like, do we really need to be making fun of books? Like the world's terrible. Uh, but then I also realized people need to laugh. And so you know, I tried to stay away from like the political books for a while because I was like, oh, I just need a yeah, break.
0: That, that's a good move. Yeah. And you are making people laugh in these shows, but you're also in commercials, and you don't look very happy in a lot of the commercials that I've seen you in. You look nope. very stressed out. Yeah. Is that your niche now? My niche is
1: um like woman who's had it, pretty much. Or <laughs> it's like uh, you're like just a little bit like sad. Like I need a product in my life. Um, like there's a craft ad I think that's still playing where. The kids like green and brown things shouldn't go together, and I just look at him and I go, "Just eat your food." <laughs> <laughs> and then I like my improv was like I turned around and I had like a. <sighs> <laughs> and then we give him craft dinner, and then Anya plays. Da, 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 I don't da, understand da, this da, ad. Da, da. It's funny, yeah, um, yeah, because everything is great now that the kids eating craft dinner, and I'm not feeding oh, him vegetables anymore. Gotcha. You know, so there's a journey. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm excited. Just went to Toronto and shot a commercial where uh, I'm with my husband. We're bored folding laundry, and then a bunny talks to me, and I eat an ice cream cone, and then I leave my husband. It's great. Like this is a real like. I can't Does wait for the it to bunny come out. give
0: you the ice cream cone. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's packing the ice cream. Yeah. Interesting.
1: Well, it was beside him on a table okay so I don't I don't know how it's all gonna cut together what is this a
0: commercial for again? I don't want to
1: say it I want to be a surprise when it comes out okay sorry because maybe it because uh, yeah. it could not come out and then I won't get my money right which is you know the whole point yeah. it's funny to do you've you
0: left me in suspense mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> hopefully in three months it'll come out and then in six months I'll get money
0: I, I hope that for you as well <laughs> thanks Sarah Bino, how do people follow you? How do they learn more about you? How do they find tickets for the show? We didn't even say how regular oh, yeah. Teen Anx Night is. So the give next, us all the information. Oh, yeah. The next
1: Teen Anx Night is at the Fox, uh, Friday, May 27th. And then, oh the one in, sorry, March 27th. And then the next one, I think it's May 15th, some the Friday there. So it's
0: every two months.
1: Thereabouts. Yeah, I take a hiatus on the summer because no one likes to sit indoors when the sun is out at, you know, 10 p.m. Um And then it'll be back in September, October. Cool. Um, tickets are on Eventbrite. You can go to sarabino.com, and I'm Sarah Bino on all the social media platforms. I think on Facebook it's Sarah Bino Shows, but that may soon be changing. I'm finally I'm wanting to like separate like my acting life finally from like my producing show life. Oh,
0: okay. So I'm
1: trying to come up with a company name, so uh, stay tuned. <laughs>
0: it's
1: taking me twenty years to be like, I need a company name. What should it be? I'm like, it's just me, it's just Sarah Bino, I do all the work.
0: And they should look for you if they want to participate in these shows. Yeah, not definitely. just buy yeah. tickets. Yeah. yeah.
1: Message me and I'll send you the link to sign up. Awesome. Or the link to sign up is also on the
0: Eventbrite page. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Sarah Bino, you were one of my favorites. What? Yeah, I think it I think what you created is absolutely remarkable. Aww. And I'm in awe. And well, thanks. Teen Angst Night, I mean, that's running for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Sewa going on ten years. The fact that you have these two shows with so much longevity. I think Vancouver's cultural landscape is uh, indebted to you. Right?
1: They should give me free apartment, shouldn't they? <laughs>
0: Just let everyone know that you're the originator. Right. I I will let people know for you.
1: Okay. thank you. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I'm indebted to you. Thank you so much for your time. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to see you at the next show.
1: Okay. good. (laughs) I'll look out into the crowd.
0: (laughs) I'll be there. People, she is a gem, a performer, a writer and a producer of some of the most fun times in this city. She is Sarah Bino. And I am Mo Amir telling you that in a city where you can be anything, be colorful. Peace!